I have the privilege of introducing Jenny to you guys tonight. Jenny is a follower of Jesus Christ, wife of Andy, mother of four daughters, member of the North Church, sister and daughter. When she isn't teaching, she's devouring audiobooks, baking bread, and grilling chicken. Please welcome Jenny. Welcome. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. I wish I knew more of you, but I'm glad to see you. Thank you for coming tonight. It's not easy to come out, so thank you. I'm honored that you came, and I'm excited that you came because we get to talk about what I think is the most important part of being a Christian mom which is teaching the word of God to the next generation. I think this is the most important part of being a mother because God commanded it. So that's a big one. But I also think it's the most important part of being a mother because it's what will keep you steadfast in your faith. I've experienced this in my own life. When times of suffering have come, like miscarriage or medical diagnosis or public attacks, it was the word of God and the word alone that kept me stable and steadfast. It was the word that woke me up in the middle of the night and comforted me. It was the word that rebuked me when my heart started going off the rails. Uh, It was the word that changed my fearful, weak heart. It was the word that grew my faith in those hard times. So I was thrilled when I heard that your theme this year from moms was steadfast. I can almost not think of a better word The book of James tells us that it's the trials of your faith that produce steadfastness. Our faith can't grow without trials, and God uses his word as the means to grow our faith in those trials, to grow our steadfastness. So I'm really eager to point you to the word today. So back to my first reason. I believe that God gives Christian parents the unique responsibility to teach their children the word. I get this first from Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses is reminding the Israelites one more time before they enter the promised land. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do you know how many times God commands them to teach the word to their children? They're supposed to talk about it when they go to bed, when they get up, when they're walking in the way. They're supposed to write it on the doors. They're supposed to write it on their hands. He doesn't want them to forget. Now, we are not Old Testament Israelites. We're New Testament Christians. But Paul repeats the same command in Ephesians 6 when he's describing what a Christian household should look like. He says that we need to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then at the beginning of Acts, right before he goes back to heaven, Jesus commands his followers to teach all that I've commanded you. Now we're Christian mothers. We're not male disciples and God hasn't called us to preach to large crowds or plant churches, and I'm so glad he hasn't, because it's like one thing that we don't have to do. I can check that box, moving on, don't have to do that. But that doesn't mean that we can ignore the Great Commission. If God has given you children, they are your primary mission. He has called each of us to teach all that he commanded to our children. 
That's the main way Christian mothers obey God, by fulfilling the Great Commission. But does that feel like a burden to you? That feels like a burden to me. Teach all that I've commanded you? That's a lot. How are we supposed to teach all that God commands us? That feels really daunting. Well, when I get overwhelmed by a task, I like to break it down. I break it into more manageable chunks so I can think about it. And so when I was thinking about this tonight, I thought I'm going to break it into two categories. And then I'm going to put suggestion lists into each category to try to help us think in smaller chunks about teaching all that God commands us. My two categories are like concentric circles going from inward to out. And they help me think about what God's calling us to do. Hopefully they'll help you too. I want to focus on two verbs tonight. The first one is read, and the second one is teach. First, we'll focus on reading the word for ourselves, and then we'll focus on teaching the word to our children. And then underneath each, I've got lists of practical suggestions. I do not expect you to memorize them, write them all down, and implement them all. They're just, when I was brainstorming, I thought, what have I seen other godly women do? What do I want to be doing? What might be helpful? So maybe you can take one or two of them home, and they'll be helpful. I'm a homeschooling mom of four daughters. I've got another homeschooling family that lives right behind me with four more daughters. My applications are going to be colored by my experience and the season of life I'm in. Probably you are not in exactly the same season of life I'm in. So I hope that what you will hear from me is we need to be in the Word and we need to be sharing the Word to our children and here's some ideas. But I hope what you don't hear from me is this is the only way you must do it. Now take all 57 ideas and run. So hopefully you won't hear that from me. Whether or, not you're, whether or not you're homeschooling, whether you're home all day with your children, whether you're working outside the home, we all have the same responsibility, which is teach the word to our children. We can't get away from that. So first, our first verb is read. Read the word. We cannot teach all that God commanded us if we don't know all that he commanded us. We need to get the word into our own hearts first. Now, when I think about that, I have a word picture that helps me. Um, last summer, I was meditating on Psalm 1, and I started thinking of the Word of God as actual hydration. Uh, I think I thought about it because our little daughter Eden was sick, really sick, and I was spoon-feeding really weak tea into her mouth just to try to keep her hydrated and to keep her out of the hospital because a couple years before, I'd had to carry her in to urgent care, and she was hospitalized because she was so dehydrated. But as soon as they put a saline drip in her... She was fine. She perked right up like a plant that got watered. And so as this, at the same time that I was spoon-feeding tea into her mouth, I'm meditating on Psalm 1. And then I went to Jeremiah 17, and I found a passage that's almost exactly like Psalm 1. Let me read it to you. If you know Psalm 1, you'll hear the echoes of Psalm 1 in Jeremiah 17. It's blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Do you notice any of the similarities with Psalm 1? Jeremiah 17 is almost the exact same flow and word pattern. Blessed is the man who, he's like a tree planted by rivers of water. But there's a new phrase. The new phrase that isn't in Psalm 1 is, that sends out its roots by the stream. I love that picture. 
This tree is not just passively planted by a water source. This tree is actively sending its roots out to the water. It's seeking water. It's sending its roots out to the stream. And did you see the result? It doesn't fear. It isn't anxious. Why? Why isn't this tree anxious? Because it has a water source. Its leaves remain green. It doesn't cease to bear fruit. So, back to the Eden and hydration illustration. I would love to encourage you as you think about your awesome responsibility to teach your children God's words, that you would imagine the word of God as water and your thirsty heart as sending out those roots. My goal is not to guilt anyone into dutifully getting up early in the morning and reading their Bible just so they can check it off the box. My goal is for you to see the Word of God as your actual source of life and growth and hope and fruit. The Word will keep you and hold you in really hard times. I know that it will because it's kept and it's held me. The Word will feed you and fill you with wisdom. The Word will give you words to rejoice and to worship and to praise God. The word is life because it comes from our life giver. Sometimes your time in the word will feel like swimming in Lake Superior, cold and refreshing and overwhelming and powerful. Sometimes it will feel like inhaling your morning coffee in gulps just to get enough energy to make it through your morning. Sometimes it will feel like spoon feeding your own sick soul just to stay alive. And sometimes It'll feel like a hospital saline IV drip, perking you back up, giving you strength to walk another day. All of those ways are good and necessary. This is the ultimate self-care, which I actually think is a terrible term. This is the way to keep yourself alive and healthy and stable and growing. If you're a believer, you must be in the word. As a young mom of multiple littles, I often grew very discouraged because my time in the Word didn't look anything like I had imagined. I had imagined rising hours before my children, going downstairs, fixing a hot cup of tea, curling up in a soft armchair, opening my huge study Bible, sunlight streaming in, and having hours and hours of time to read and pray, and then patiently greet my adorable children who would come tiptoeing down the stairs. I don't know where I thought breakfast was coming from. Instead, (laughs) my children somehow have the ability to hear my eyelashes open. I don't know how, but they do. And if they weren't already sleeping on top of me, they would be in my room the minute my eyes were open. How on earth was I supposed to be in the Word? I almost gave up. How was I supposed to have quiet time? Basically, I needed to get desperate. So desperate, I would get water any way I could. I had to learn to see the Word of God as my life-giving source. And I had to get it any way I could get it. Podcasts, sermons. Bible CDs. I'm old, so I listen to CDs. Played for little kids. Worship songs, playing during their playtime. Bible memory work with my kids. Reading the Bible to them, that totally counts. I still am surprised and convicted and fed through their worship music. I can't tell you how many times. Like, be kind to one another has come on in the background, right as I'm working on controlling my own tongue. It's based on scripture, and so the Holy Spirit will use it. You just want to be so thirsty for the word that you'll take it in any form you can. Here are some specific ways that I can get the word into my heart during 
during that stage and how I get it now. So again, please don't feel burdened by this. Hopefully you can take one, maybe two ideas, maybe something will spark an idea. Here's some ideas. Download the Bible Reading Challenge on the free version app and just push play. It is so amazing to live in a time period where you can touch a rectangle and people will read the Bible to you. That is amazing. For most of world history, they didn't even have the word of God in print. And if they did, it was chained to the pulpit in, an, in a church building and it was in Latin. So we can just touch something and it reads to us and that counts, that totally counts. Read through the Psalms on your phone at night if you're doing night feedings. I did that all the time because it was the only time in my house it was ever quiet. So have Psalms up on your phone in the middle of the night when you're doing a baby night feeding. Read at night on your phone instead of scrolling social media before you fall asleep. When my children were little, I switched my Bible reading time to the night because it was the only time it was quiet in my house. Have scripture queued up on your phone for as soon as you wake up. Read it or listen to it before you touch any texts or emails or anything else. Read the Bible to your children at breakfast. I'll put this in the teach one too, but that's a big way to get it in. Listen to podcasts or sermons that will take you deeper in your biblical understanding. Have a specific task set aside for Bible memory time. For me, I do it when I'm ironing. It's something I can have on the side and I just can move and memorize. Somehow moving helps me with memorizing. Post scripture in your homes. Even just having a verse in the bathroom can be convicting or life-giving. Pay attention to scripture prayers. If you memorize a psalm, or a scripture prayer, you can pray that in the middle of the night when you're up with a sick child, or if you can't sleep, or if you're driving somewhere, you already have it in you and you can just start praying it right out. Occasionally, when you have time, choose a passage of scripture to go deeper in. For me, I'm a homeschooling mom, so summers are slightly lighter than the school year, and so I'll usually just listen to the Bible during the school year, and then in the summer, I'll dive deeper because I have a little bit more time. Join a women's Bible study. There's a lady back there who writes really good women's Bible study. You should join a women's Bible study. So those are some suggestions. My first verb that I want you to get is read. Get desperate. Feed your own heart with the water of the word. We can't share it if we don't have it. So get it inside of you. It'll keep your faith alive. And then my second verb is teach. So teach the word. Remember, if you have children, you have the solemn task of helping them to understand the world as God created it. And honestly, nobody else will do this. Even if you bring your kids to North Church and they are in Sunday school with wonderful, God-honoring, loving teachers, the teachers can't do it the way that you can do it. No one loves your kids. No one knows your kids. No one understands your kids. And no one is with your kids as much as you are. So this is your responsibility from the Lord to teach them your word, his word. God has called us to do more than change diapers, nurse babies, or keep small humans alive. God has given us the incredible task of teaching our children diligently. We want our children to see that God is the most important part of every single day. So here are some ways we've done it in our home. Again, I don't expect you to implement it, but hopefully there will be something that's helpful for you. I broke it down into ages and stages just because it was more natural for me. And I have a 15-year-old, so I stopped at the teen years. I'm sorry. <laughs> for all of you women who are older than I am, you can just share your wisdom at the tables because that's where my wisdom ends. 
So for birth to age three, I think about that stage as exposure and delight. You want to expose your baby to the word of God, to the idea of God, and you want them to delight in God. You want them to think of God as wonderful and good and loving and kind, and, and you want their emotion when they think about God to be good. So here are some ideas. Be in the word before you ever give birth. Pray specific prayers over your children. Psalm 139 is a great start. Memorize it and start praying it. Stock your nursery with Bible board books and music. Read Bible story books to your children from birth. It's okay if they can't hold up their heads. Totally fine. They're learning if they're tiny and they're this big. They're learning mommy and daddy love God. And when we talk about God, it's a good thing. And mommy and daddy are happy when they're talking about God. Those messages are getting into them even from teeny tiny. Pray over them all the time, during the day, at meals, nap time, bedtime, when you're disciplining toddlers, when they're sad or afraid, pray scripture over them so that that's getting into their minds and it becomes natural for them. Sing songs on walks about God. This isn't exactly scripture, but it's teaching them about God. Who made snowmen? God. Well, we make snowmen. Who made snow? God made snow. Just think, sing constantly to them. Refer naturally to God all throughout the day. God is helping your skinned knee get better. God made you be a boy, and that is good. Constantly refer to God all throughout the day. So that's baby through early, early toddlers. And then age three to five, I think of as building a foundation for later biblical understanding. So you're just building, 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 building right now. Make scripture reading a first thing of your day, if you can, given your schedule and work schedule. Let them see you reading your Bible. Or if you can't do that in front of them, talk about what you read in your Bible. Mention it. Continue to read them Bible storybooks every single day. You can do this when they first wake up. You can do it when they climb in your lap. You can do it in the evening right before you tuck them in bed. But make it an everyday thing. We love the big picture story Bible, but there's all kinds of options. Basically, you want them to get the big arc of the story. They should be able to understand that Adam comes before Noah, who comes before Abraham, who comes before Jesus. That's just what you're trying to get them to do. Get them super comfortable with the arc of the story while they're still little. Put Bible storybooks in their beds, board books in their beds that they can flip through. It's especially helpful if these are ones you've read to them multiple times so they know who the characters are when they flip through. Encourage them to look at their Bibles first, their little board book Bibles, before they get out of bed. Use their love of repetition to start memorizing verses. So even when they're three, four, they can be memorizing things like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, or children obey your parents for this is right. They can learn things like that. Celebrate their achievements in hiding God's word in their heart. Bethlehem used to have a fighter verse program where every 25 verses that you said they would get this tiny little silver knight. And I don't understand why, but my kids would work so hard to get this tiny, tiny little silver knight. And then eventually you could get like a blue duffel bag and then eventually a Bible. And they would work so hard just for that tiny little award. So come up with something like that and encourage them. If they learn five verses, ten verses, celebrate their achievement. Continue to pray scripture over them all throughout the day, at meals, nap time, bedtime, especially when you're disciplining them, when they're sad or afraid. Talk about God constantly. 
I think this is the biggest one for developing a Christian worldview, and they're not going to get this from the world. So just simple things like, God made the most beautiful sunset, or God is helping you to love your neighbor right now, or God says, children obey your parents. Not, I want you to obey me, but God says. So just continue to refer back to God every single day. And then, big one for this age, three to five age, use scripture during discipline. Help them to understand that they are not offending you. They are offending God. And that's a lot more serious than just making mommy mad. So if you say, God says, children, obey your parents, for this is right. You did not obey God. You're helping them to understand the seriousness of their sin and not just, I made mom mad. I'd better be more sneaky next time. Or if you say, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. You're rooting the problem in reality rather than just in mommy's offended right now. Ages five to nine, I think of as memorize and understand. So they can really memorize in this stage and they are getting to where they can understand a lot more. Um, Have breakfast Bible time. Now, I told you we're a homeschooling family. I'm just gonna tell you what we do. Please do not feel burdened by this, but you could do it at dinner too. For us, it works to do it at breakfast. So I make breakfast for my kids. It's not fancy. Every single morning, Monday to Friday, I make the same thing and I have for 15 years. So it's not impressive. It's just oatmeal and smoothies. So I make oatmeal and smoothies. It's pretty easy to make fast. And then they all come and sit at the table and then I read the Bible to them. I read them about a chapter every single day. And then when we're done reading the chapter, I ask them two questions. What does this tell us about God? And why do you think God put this in the Bible? What is he trying to say? And then we just talk about it. When we finish that, then we do whatever Bible memory we're working on. We, a lot of times, we'll just use the global partner flip chart and just work on those fighter verses, but sometimes we'll have a longer passage that we're working on, and then we pray around the table. It's very simple. It is so sweet. It's been a kind gift from God. If you can't do that at breakfast, you could easily translate that to doing at dinner or to doing before bed, but just that simple repetition of read the word, talk about the word, memorize the word, pray, has been really sweet for our family. We've done all kinds of things. We've done narrative, we've done Proverbs, we've done New Testament. I've got a six-year-old, so we're back doing Genesis again because I realized she didn't really quite understand the Joseph story. It was like, oh! (laughs) So we went back and we're doing Genesis again. Um, But anything, really, would work. Uh, Memorize larger chunks of scripture with your children at this stage. They can memorize psalms. There are tiny little short psalms, and they will feel so amazing that they have memorized a whole psalm when it's only like three verses, but it, it feels big to them. And then you can go on and do more. You can do a chapter of Ephesians. You can do, Bailey, you said you're doing creation. Are you actually doing Genesis? Yeah, that's wonderful. That's really great. And it's actually not that hard to do. So if you pick one verse and you say it five times a day for a week, you've got it. And then you just add the next verse, and then the next verse, and then the next verse, and you just keep reviewing it, and their memories are actually a lot better than yours. So they'll get it faster than you will, and then they'll think it's funny that you're stumbling and that they're not. Um, Continue to pray scripture over them all throughout the day and night. Help them choose their own scripture to run to. So with some of my littles right now, this is a big one. I have a couple that are struggling with some specific things, and so we've been encouraging them to have a specific verse that they run to every time they struggle with that anxiety or with that temptation. What is your verse? 
And that's what we'll say to them, what's the verse? And then they'll say it, and then we'll pray that specific verse. God, please help them with this. Play scripture songs. There are so many. Seeds Family Worship, Fighter Verse Songs, Sovereign Grace Kids Songs. Basically, just look for Bible songs, and you'll find all kinds of stuff. It's catchy. It'll get into your heart. It'll convict you. So I'm warning you about that, but it's worth it. Uh, Consider using a catechism. We've gone back and forth on catechism. I think getting the word into your children's hearts is more important, but if you have time and you want to do more, it's a great way of just getting a systematic theology in. So I consider that like ice cream. If you have time, do it. It's great, but it's not necessary. Uh, We've done New City Catechism, which is good for definitions, but there's lots of good ones. Continue to use scripture during discipline make it really clear that they've disobeyed God's law, not just offended you. But then at this stage also, and and before too, but especially this stage, make the gospel really clear to them. So have one or two verses that you go to consistently in discipline. So first they've understood that they've sinned against God, but then you want to show them God's kindness and his mercy to quickly forgive them. So we have the, if, he can, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And so once they've seen their sin and they've asked God to forgive them, you can remind them of that verse every time. And it's just a fresh reminder of his mercy. When they're beginning to read, help them transition to an easy reader Bible. Again, the Big Picture Story Bible is great for this. It has like two, maybe three lines of pretty simple text. My first grader can get through most of it um, because we've read it a lot, and so it's a familiar text for her. But if you have older but struggling readers, even in the bookstore there are some simple, um, they've taken books like Ruth and Esther and... There was another one. I don't remember what it was. But they, they kept it consistent with the translation but made it as simple as possible to read. And so with one of our daughters who was a struggling reader, we used that, and that was really, really helpful for her. She felt like she was reading the Bible, but it was readable for her. Okay, so now ages 10 to 13, I think of as the ask and argue stage. They're trying to put the pieces together. They're trying to make sure they're understanding this. They're trying to catch you. So this is the stage where Christianity becomes really real to them. Help them see how scripture applies to their very real lives. Show them how it applies to your life. Show them how it applies to the world around them that they're starting to really notice and ask questions about. Keep referring to scripture all throughout the day. Connect it to whatever you're talking about. How does it connect to the science textbook that you guys are working through? How does it connect to the library book that they brought home from the library that they're surprised by what they found inside the library book? How does it connect to the movie that you guys might be watching? We use scripture as our filter, and we'll say that with our girls. We'll say, keep your scripture filter on, and when we get to the end of the movie, we'll say, okay, hold it up to your scripture filter. What? is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, what would God say about this? We do that with library books a lot, too. Continue to use scripture when they're struggling. Keep pointing them to specific psalms or proverbs. Keep helping them to choose one or two specific verses that are their own that they'll pray when they're struggling. And share with them as appropriate how God has given you scripture to help with your temptation and fear. At this age, they're getting to where they want to make sure that this isn't just them. They want to see that it's real for you too. Keep celebrating their Bible reading achievements. Our kids have gone out for Culver's when they finished reading the Bible. Make some kind of memorable celebration for them when they have achievements in their Bible reading. 
And then for us, we put Bible reading as part of our school schedule because we're homeschooling. So we just have a checklist and that's the first thing on the checklist. But if you're not homeschooling, if you've got kids that are doing homework, that can still be at the top of their checklist for homework. Um, we just make it be a part of the day. Of course you do it because that's what we do in our house. Ages 14 to 18, you're trying to prepare them to launch as mature Christians. Keep talking to your children about everything, about their lives, about current events, about your own appropriate struggles. Keep applying God's word to every one of those areas. Model what it looks like to trust God's word with your own life. Tell them stories of how you were wrestling and how God's word spoke to you and how it gave you hope. Confront their sin with clear biblical terms and categories, especially as they become teens. You don't want it to just be, your sin is rubbing me the wrong way. You want it to be, God says this. You must love your neighbor. That's not loving your neighbor. Pray with them for real heart change. Draw them out. Ask about what they're reading or thinking. Look for regular opportunities to do that. Encourage your children, especially your teen children, to become independent Bible readers. With our oldest, we've given her a Bible reading plan that she's flying through, and it's been encouraging to see her kind of take independence in that step. That, that's something she wants to do, and that's been encouraging to see. Uh, shepherd them through baptism. That's not really teach them the word, but it's part of the Great Commission, so shepherd them through baptism. Help them to think about the future. How has God gifted them? What might he be calling them to do? How does his word influence how they're thinking about the future? Help them to identify the culture's lies. Keep building that filter, that scripture filter in their mind so they can identify what the culture is saying that's against what God is saying and identify what does God say about that. And then encourage solid believing friendships. We've really worked through Proverbs a lot. We do Proverbs every summer. And I think middle schoolers and teenagers need it maybe more than every summer because it's so full of wisdom and especially wisdom about friendships. So we've worked through that repeatedly. That is an incredible calling. <laughs> I hope you're not tempted to discouragement. I was tempted to discouragement this morning because I got up and made the whole breakfast and sat down for Bible time and I had one kid show up. <laughs> and I thought, how am I supposed to be teaching on this one? one-fourth of my population is here right now. <laughs> so my heart for you and for myself is that we would take the words of Deuteronomy very seriously, but also that you would not leave tonight discouraged. So I want to leave you with the encouragement from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. We could do all this and our kids could walk away. We need God to take his words and to make them alive in our children's hearts. So ultimately what we have to do is pray and trust him to do that good work. None of us is going to do it perfectly, and that's good news because God doesn't choose people who think they can do it perfectly. God uses imperfect people to accomplish his work. But let's pray for grace to be faithful. Let's pray for God to give us grace and wisdom to fulfill his calling as mothers. After I pray, I 
think, yeah, I think we'll have five minutes for Q&A if you want to do Q&A, or we can just stop. And so while I pray, you can think of any questions you might have. Father, thank you so much for the gift and privilege of being mothers. Thank you for entrusting these children to our care. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for putting them in our homes. Thank you for giving us the high, high calling of teaching all that you have commanded to our children. I pray that we would be diligent as we read the word and teach the word to our children. Would you help us to be women of the word who send out our roots to your streams and who do not cease bearing fruit? And in the end, I pray that we would say all glory is to you alone because you have done the work. In Jesus' name, amen.